Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. We are, what would you say, good Saturday. We had a nice time at the mission yesterday celebrating Good Friday. Uh, phenomenal. Kids were singing with us. Everybody was having a great time uh, worshiping and thanking God for his dying on the cross for us. A very special week for us. Tomorrow we will be celebrating the resurrection. So really want, want to invite all of you who are uh, not having a, a place to go, um, if you're obviously not here, if you're online, uh, to join us. We'll be at 9 o'clock live our time uh, here in Puerto Vallarta. So anyway, that's what's going on here. And we want to spend some time in the Word. We're in Joshua 7 through 9, Luke chapter 9. So be finding that in your Bible in the meantime. We will look into this day in history famous quote of the day, if everything is going your way, you're probably driving in the wrong lane. <laughs> Jeff Denson said that. Um, on the cover of Time Magazine, this date, April 8th, 1966, on the cover it says, is God dead? They asked the controversial question, is God dead? The article looked at the problems facing modern theologians such as making God relevant to an increasingly secular culture with science reducing the need for religion to explain the natural world. <laughs> you, that is laughable. They actually think that science is making God reducing the need for religion. Uh, have you ever seen more of a time? That was in 66. Have you ever seen more of a time in the world where there is a need for a savior and for God? Science has not reduced our need for God. Maybe, see, religion in the sense of man trying to make up his own system to feel better about himself and reach out to God. Mm, yeah, I could agree there, but uh, God himself is the only one that can save us from this mess that the world is going through, and people are becoming more interested in, in seeking to find solutions. In Israel, it's phenomenal how many of the secular Jews are now thinking, you know, it's maybe not a bad idea that we rebuild the temple. Maybe we should look into this. And more people people are, are looking all over the place for, for God. Now they're confused about who he is and these kind of things. But that was 66. Of course, it is not dead. The church is doing just fine. It's under attack. But man that people are getting saved. This is the last great uh, harvest before the Lord comes back. Of course, I was in 66, the hippie movement, and of course, a lot of dawn of science and people trying to do their own thing. Jimmy Swagger defrocked in 1988. <laughs> Some of the reason why, why people have not fully embraced the God of their salvation is because guys like this televangelist Jimmy Swaggart is defrocked by the Assemblies of God Church after refusing to accept their punishment for the unnamed sins he had admitted to. Swaggart had been implicated in the sex scandal involving a prostitute. He was exposed in retaliation 
for exposing fellow Assemblies of God preacher Marvin Gorman, who swaggered accused of having sexual affairs. After Gorman was defrocked by the scandal, he hired his son-in-law to stake out a motel in Baton Rouge when Swaggart showed up with a prostitute. They took photos, let the air out of his tires, called Gorman. Swaggart claims Gorman then offered to remain silent if he publicly apologized and uh, would say that he lied about Gorman's affair and helped Gorman rebuild his ministry. Swaggart failed to meet the demands, and Gorman showed the photos to church leaders. What's interesting is both of them, Gorman, okay, if he was if he was wrong and he had an affair, well, if he's a Christian, he's supposed to man up and seek forgiveness from God and follow the biblical mandate and uh, essentially step down and and build, rebuild his life. But they, now he's just trying to get back his ministry. And by blackmailing another, another pastor who he knew was wrong, rather than trying to protect the body of Christ, he should have said, look, we're both going down. Let's go into rehab and let's pray for each other and let's, let's build each other up in the word. No, nope, didn't want to lose those big ministries. So, and now he's back. Uh, Clint Eastwood elected mayor April 8th, 1986 in California on this day. Okay, there's a number of other things, but we will move over to the bad dad jokes. And I kind of thought I liked this one. I had an appointment with my psychic next week, but she called to cancel. She said that I won't be able to make it, <laughs> that I <laughs> She was a psychic that knew that I wouldn't be able to make it, so she called to cancel. Okay, uh, how about this one? What is the difference between a literalist and a kleptomaniac? Just a comma. A literalist takes things literally. A kleptomaniac takes things, comma, literally. That's got clever. So we are in the book of Joshua. Father God, thank you for this morning and for giving us this time together and for this beautiful week that you've given us. We are privileged, and Father, we are blessed. And we would ask, God, that you'd help those around us come into awareness of what we are celebrating. God, this is as big as Christmas, but the world has done everything to minimize it because of its glorious and incredible implications that it is the only thing in this world that can bring man into an eternal state with you. And man is rebelling against the light and does not want to yield to the light, but we know that you are bidding all men to come to you through your mercy and through your grace. So God, we'd ask that you continue to cast the net. God, bring them in and help us to be able to love them and minister to them as they come into your beautiful kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 7, but the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Beth-El, and said to them, go up and spy out the land. So the men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up. Only about two or 3,000 men need to go up to Ai. Do not make all the people toil up there, for there are few. So about 3,000 men of the people went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai. 
And the men of Ai struck down 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan only to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say since Israel has turned their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and they will surround us us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have even taken some of the things under the ban and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. Rise up, consecrate the people, and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for thus the Lord, the God of Israel, has said, There are things under the ban in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. Verse 14. In the morning, then you shall come near by your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes by lot shall come near by families, and the families which the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the households which the Lord shall take shall come near man by man. And it shall be that the one who is taken with the things under the ban shall be burned with fire, he and all that belongs to him, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. Verse 16. Then Joshua arose early in the morning and brought Israel near to the tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah near, and he took the family of the Zerahites, and he brought the family of the Zerites near man by man. And Zabdi was taken. And he brought the household near man by man. And Achan of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done, and do not hide it from me. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle of Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and behold, it was concealed in his tent with the silver underneath it. They took them from inside the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the sons of Israel, and they poured them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver and the mantle and the bar of gold, his sons and his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that belonged to him. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. 
Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire. And after they had stoned them with stones, verse 26, they raised over him a great heap of stones to stand to this day. And the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Chapter 8. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear or be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given it into your hands, the king of Ai, his people, the city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king just as you did to Jericho and its king. You shall take only the spoil and its cattle and plunder for yourselves. Set an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua rose with all the people of war to go to Ai, and Joshua chose 30,000 men, valiant warriors, and sent them out at night. He commanded them, saying, See, you are going to ambush the city from behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and when they come out as at first, we will flee before them. They will come out after us until we have drawn them away from the city. For they will say they are fleeing before us as at the first. So we will flee before them. And you shall rise from your ambush and take possession of the city. For the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. Then it will be when you have, you have seized a city that you shall set the city on fire. You shall do it according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them away, and they went to the place of the ambush and remained between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua spent the night among the people. Now Joshua arose early in the morning and mustered the people and went up to the elders of, the, of Israel before the people of Ai. Then all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near and arrived in front of the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now, there was a valley between him and Ai. And he took about 5,000 men, and they set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. So they stationed the people, all the army that was on the north side of the city, and its rear guard on the west side of the city. And Joshua spent the night in the midst of the valley. It came about when the city of Ai saw it, that the men of the city hurried and rose up early and went out to meet Israel in battle, he and all his people at the appointed place before the desert plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. And all the people who were in the city were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. So not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who had not gone out after Israel. And they left the city unguarded and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand towards Ai, and I will give it into your hand. So Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. The men in ambush rose quickly from their place, and when he had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it, and they quickly set the city on fire. When the men of Ai turned 
back and looked, behold, the smoke of the city ascended to the sky, and they had no place to flee this way or that. For the people who had been fleeing to the wilderness turned against the pursuers. When Joshua and all Israel saw that the men in ambush had captured the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and slew the men of Ai. The others came out from the city and to encounter them so that they were trapped in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And they slew them until no one was left, those who survived or escaped. Verse 23, but they took alive the king of Ai and brought him to Joshua. Now when Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness, where they pursued them, and all of them had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were destroyed, then all Israel returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. All who fled that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not withdraw his hand, with which he stretched out the javelin until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Israel took only the cattle and the spoil of the city as plunder for themselves, according to the word of the Lord which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation until this day. He hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening, and at sunset Joshua gave command that they took his body down from the tree and threw it at the entrance of the city gate and raised over it a great heap of stones that stand to this day. Then Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, and Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the sons of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no man has wielded an iron tool, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. He wrote there on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written in the presence of the sons of Israel. All Israel with their elders and officers and their judges were standing on both sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The strangers as well as the native, half of them stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given command at first to bless the people of Israel. Then afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. Chapter 9. Now it came about when all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the lowland and on all the coast of the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Pizzarite and the Hivite and the Jebusite heard of it. They all gathered themselves together with one accord to fight with Joshua and Israel. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard it, of what Joshua had done to Jericho, they also acted craftily and they set out envoys and took worn out sacks on their donkeys, wineskins worn out and torn and mended, and worn out and patched sandals on their feet, and worn out clothes for themselves. All the bread of their provision was dry and had become crumbled. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to his men of Israel, We have come from a far country now, therefore make a covenant with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you are living within the land. 
How then shall we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, we are your servants. Then Joshua said to him, who are you and where do you come from? And they said to him, your servants have come from a very far country because of the fame of the Lord your God. And we have heard the report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, King Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions in your hand for the journey and go meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Now then, make a covenant with us. This, our bread, was warm when we took it for our provisions out of our houses on the day we left to come to you. But now, behold, it is dry and has become crumbled. These wineskins, which were new, and behold, they are torn, and these are clothes, and our sandals are worn out because of the very long journey. So the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask for counsel of the Lord. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to, uh, to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. It came about at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were neighbors and that they were living within the land. Then the sons of Israel set out and came to their cities on the third day. Now the cities of Gibeon and Chephirah and Beroth and Kiriath-Jerim. The sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. But all the leaders said to the whole congregations, We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. This we will do to them, even let them live, so that the wrath will not be upon us for the oath that we have sworn to them. The leaders said to them, Let them live. So they became hewers of wood and drawers of water for the whole congregation, just as the leaders had spoken to them. And Joshua called on them and spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, We are very far from you when you are living within the land? Now, therefore, you are cursed, and you shall never cease being slaves, both hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua, and they said, Because it was certainly told your servants that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. Therefore, we feared greatly for our lives because of you and have done this thing. Now behold, we are in your hands. Do as it seems good and right in your sight to do to us. Thus he did to them and delivered them from the hands of the sons of Israel and did not kill them. But Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place which he would choose. Now, it's a pretty amazing story. We got to start with the last one because of what happened with these guys. The first thing that you really want to pick up on and notice is how these ancient cultures, certainly these Canaanites, knew that a covenant made with their God, that these people made with their God, was unbreakable and serious. It's not like today. People go, well, you tricked me. All bets are off. You would think they would be able to strike them because they did everything in deception, so it wouldn't be considered valid, the pact that they made. But they knew, either because of their own beliefs or because of the God of Israel, that these guys, once they made an oath, could not go back on it. They would have to honor it. So all of this was deception to their benefit, knowing 
that these people were people of their word. There were people that kept covenants. They served a God of covenants, and it's pretty uh, amazing that it was to that degree that even deceived, they could not turn back on their word. And this is important to notice because we are to be people of our word, and we have to really judge what we say. And even sometimes if people are deceiving us, we even have to honor God. Thinking about marriages, you think you may get packed with God that the person I'm marrying, I am saying I will stay with this person through better or for worse. And then sometimes you find out the parent, person you married was not entirely honest about their Christian faith. They were like, <laughs> yeah, I just said I was a Christian because I wanted to marry you. You know, and now I'm going to sit back and watch the ball game or that lady says, I have no desire to go to church. And you're going, well, that's not fair. I should be able to get out of this. God is a God of covenants. There are biblical reasons to get out of a marriage, absolutely in the New Testament, but God does hate divorce and he wants us to honor our covenants. And God, I've, we've seen it, you've seen it, people have, we've seen God do amazing things through people who've decided, I'm going to honor this covenant. You may not have been completely truthful with me, you, you may have been one person when I married you, a different person now, but the people who honor that and are surrendering daily to the Lord themselves, we've seen God do some amazing things. So that's important, just to remember that. They become hewers of wood and carriers of water. Actually, these people end up in service to the God of Israel, which is quite astounding in and of itself when you think about it. They are actually facilitating worship. So for Joshua, God can take your mistakes and turn them around for your benefit and, and even their benefit because there would have been no better thing for them to stop serving Chemosh and sacrificing their children than to then bring wood to the altar of God and watch the animal sacrifice go up and watch God win these victories. Imagine they're following them around, watching them win victory after victory after victory, and starting to realize this is the true and one and only real God. So it's it's kind of, it was to their benefit overall. Okay, we got all the, uh, there's so much we could go into. Joshua, the AI, and of course, it's a whole thing about keeping your covenant with God. When God says, don't do something, don't do it. If God says, if you cross this line, there's going to be severe consequences. And there were severe consequences for Israel. So they had to get the sin out of the camp. There needed to be true repentance. There needed to be brokenness and judgment. We don't like to hear that, but there was judgment upon this man and his sin. And now they could go and take AI. And it was necessary militarily because, like they said, all the Canaanites would go, now we know we can defeat them, let's all get together and come against them. The fear would be uh, subsided. But they do beat them, but then now all these kings are going to come against them anyway. And we'll see how that plays out as we move on tomorrow. Luke chapter 9, verse 37. On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met them. And a man from the crowd shouted, saying, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only boy. And a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams, and throws him into a convulsion with foaming at the mouth, and only with difficulty does it leave him, mauling him as it leaves. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you and put up with you? Bring me your son. While he was still approaching, a demon slammed him to the ground and threw him into a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And they all were amazed at the greatness of God. But while everyone was marveling at all that he was doing, 
he said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears, for the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand the statement, and it was concealed from them so that they would not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about the statement. An argument started among them as to which of them might be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood him by his side and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. But the one who is least among all of you is the one who is great. John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he does not follow along with us. And Jesus said to him, Do not hinder him, for he who is not against you is for you. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went out to another village. Verse 57, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. And he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I will follow you, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's that's a strong parable, and th those are strong statements of Jesus Christ. It seems like these people are trying to follow God and do uh, noble things. You know, we need to go take care of our family. We gotta, we have some responsibilities. Jesus does it both for emphasis and for practicality that we're probably not aware of. Emphasis is there can be nothing that should keep you back from a full-on commitment in your service to God when you said, uh, can't, "Let me follow you." then you follow him and then you seek his will as far as how that's going to work out step by step and day by day these people seem to be because we know this we know this from the, from the heart of god jesus had a heart after families and knew the law and knew that these men asking were to respect their mother and father and had a responsibility towards them so it is surmised and theologically and i believe correctly that there was a thinking that let me go finish out my time with my parents until they die. Let me go spend some time with them. Let me first go do this and do that. And then when I'm ready, then I'll start following you. And that's why Jesus says, no, look, follow me now. And those who are around your parents, they can take care of them. And when they die, they can go bury the, your parents. And of course, he's not going to never prevent them from going to their parents' funeral. It's just a matter of priorities. Uh, my priority right now is my parents or my job or this. And after I have that all set up, then I'll come follow you. And this is so prevalent in our culture today. This is um, all over the place. There's people that say, I really want to serve, but I can't do it until I retire. Yeah, that's a weak argument. 
Now, there, I know there's people that really want to serve full-time in the ministry. They want to have their pension. They want to do all kinds of stuff. you got to just be put that before the Lord and really pray about it. Uh, because I know people that's, that are following the Lord, they're going to serve in their church faithfully and do everything they can and then look forward to the day when they can be retired and do it even more. So it's a, I think it's, it's, it all comes down to the heart. If, if you're just, Lord, where I'm going to follow you wherever, wherever you want to lead, I'm going to follow you. And if that means you're going to move me out of this job and take me somewhere else, or I'm going to quit my job and go into ministry full time, it has to be something prayed over. But the, the issue is seeking first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things come after it. And when people are telling me they're thinking about moving somewhere to because they have a better job offer, I'll usually say, great, it's certainly that's your, um, that's your option. You have freedom in Christ to do these kinds of things, but are you seeking first the kingdom? Have you checked out the churches? Are you going to be utilized there in, in, in the ministry of whatever church, whatever was going on there? Uh, that should be as much more of more so a priority. And this becomes tricky when you have a career in some specific field. And uh, and certainly there's really have options when you're in the military. I understand that. But there is a sense where people have been brought up to believe, seek first the better job and all the benefits that come after that. And then the kingdom of God. And, and then the church. And Jesus would say, no, 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 no. Seek first where God can use you to be a blessing in the church and blessing the people around you. And then let the job come after that. So keep that in perspective. That's all I can say. And uh, seek the Lord in those things. All right. Now we're into Charles Spurgeon, Acts twenty three eleven. The Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Acts twenty three eleven. Are you a witness for the Lord? And are you just now in danger? Then remember that you are immortal till your work is done. If the Lord has more witness for you to bear, you will live to bear it. Who is he that can break the vessel which the Lord intends again to use? If there's no more work for you to do for your master, it cannot distress you that he is about to take you home, but put you where you will be beyond the reach of adversaries. Your witness bearing for Jesus is your chief concern, and you cannot be stopped in it till it is finished. Therefore, be at peace, cruel, slander, wicked, misrepresentation, desertion of friends, betrayal by the most trusted one, and whatever else may come cannot hinder the Lord's purpose concerning you. The Lord stands by you in the night of your sorrow, and he says, Thou must yet bear witness for me. Be calm. Be filled with the joy of the Lord. If you do not need this promise just now, you may very soon treasure it up. Remember also to pray for missionaries and all persecuted ones that the Lord will preserve them even to the completion of their life work. Well, we definitely want to do that right now, especially for Tony and Bernice and their kids as they are hopefully safely in Cambodia now. They should have arrived by now, I believe. If you guys are I don't think you'd be watching the first day there, but if it's a miracle you are, let us know you're there safe. But we want to be praying for them as they want to be working 
with the people there and we'll get a better dis- description of what they're doing pretty soon. But also those that are working in these very difficult countries. Uh, Lebanon is getting att- just got attacked by Israel. They've been launching missiles and can imagine the stress going on around there and especially the missionaries going on, the working there in Lebanon and these Muslim countries in Iran. Huge revival in Iran. Don't ever forget that. There's tons of people getting saved in Iran. And they love the Lord. They just don't love their their uh, administration and the things that they're doing. So let's be praying for them. So, Father, we are grateful, God. We are blessed because of your goodness towards us and worldwide now, God. We know there are Christians everywhere that are celebrating this week, that are lifting up your name, that are thanking you for the cross. That's all we can say is thank you for the cross. And thank you for your love for us and all that you're doing. And Father, our desires that people could fully see with clear eye what you did. You hid from the disciples. You're going to the cross because you wanted them to then later see it by the prophetic understanding that all these things were prophesied and come to appreciate it. And then also know that they could follow you by faith and no longer by sight. All these things were set up, God, and they were all, we're all witnesses of it. We have a clear historical understanding that these things are true, that these things happened. And we see your power, the way that you can heal and raise from the dead and transform us. So, God, we come before you and ask that you continue to do that. And you would use families like, like Tony and Bernice to bring that knowledge to those over there that need that understanding to be set free from oppressive false religions that deceive and keep people so caged up and so cold and devoid of life and even love. So set them free, God, and help us all who are serving you locally in the church, in foreign countries, wherever it is, God, to be used to touch lives. We thank you for yesterday and the services that went around the world celebrating your cross. I think there's no greater thing that can be done, God, than for people to gather together and thank you for the blessing of you, what you gave to the world, the greatest gift ever, and uh, offering us, God, life and life eternal through the power of the cross and your forgiveness of sins. So we come before you again and ask you for to give us, wash us clean, help us refocus, help us re-energize ourselves and have a new commitment and put off the things of the world to not be like Achan, that take the things that are under the ban, the things that you have told us not to take, to not to covet the things of the world, but to hunger and thirst after you. So, God, we pray that you would help us to do that and just get rid of those things which cause us to fall, God, under your your judgment because they're not of you and you don't want us to have them. So help us just get rid of those things and start afresh as we look towards the blessing and, and the the glory of day of resurrection tomorrow. So thank you for it. I ask you to bless our service, bless all the services that will be going on around the world, all my friends, wherever they'll be going. We make it a family time. We make it a wonderful time. There would be no riots. There would be no church attacks, no shootings, God, that coming into churches. We know that this is an increasing thing. We ask for your protection, God, upon the church, even the Jewish synagogues during Passover because of this violence that's going on. So, God, we give you this whole day tomorrow, and we joyfully 
celebrate it. And thank you for our brothers and sisters that are participating in it with us. And we do continue to pray for healing upon their bodies, those that need it, that cannot go to church tomorrow, that will be home but online. May you richly bless them and help them to know they're loved not only by us, but greatly loved by you. So thank you for, for all that you are going to continue to do today and tomorrow. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Once again, so we got a sunrise service at uh, 7-ish tomorrow morning at the mission. And uh, we'll have some coffee and some testimony and short music and just, uh, just, just a tiny devotion. And then we're going to come back and have our 9 o'clock service in English and uh, 1045 in Spanish. So if you're in town, come, bring someone or... If you can join us online, we'd love to have you. So we will see you again tomorrow live. And as always, if uh, time permits, I will get the um, podcast out, the audio podcast for the continued reading of the Word of God going into Luke 11 and 12 and probably I should Joshua 10, 11, 12, something like that. So God bless you guys. Richly happy Resurrection Day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.